Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Okay, um, so uh, I just, do you guys, do you want me to be honest with you? <laughs> like, raise your hand if you want me to tell you the truth and you want me to be honest with you. Okay, most of you. <laughs> Even at home, I can kind of feel it. But so, I just, I just wanted to do that um, because uh, you asked for it. <laughs> you, you literally asked for it. Um, but we're, we're in the middle of a sermon series um, called Victory. And, and this week we're talking about victory over spiritual loneliness. Victory over spiritual loneliness. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you because you raised your hand. If you feel spiritually lonely, you are focusing too much on yourself. If you feel spiritually lonely, you are focusing too much on yourself. If you feel spiritually lonely, you're focusing too much on your marriage. If you feel spiritually lonely, you're focusing too much on your family. You're focusing too much on your work. You're focusing too much on your health. You're focusing too much on your interactions at the church. You're focusing too much on programs inside of the church. If you feel spiritually lonely, you are misdirected from the purpose of where your eyes are supposed to be, where your focus is supposed to be. Because God is the only solution for spiritual loneliness. For spiritual loneliness. Um... And I'm going to keep using this word because it's in the title of our sermon. But spiritual loneliness, um, or this phrase, I should say. Um, like, what do, what do I even mean when I say that? I, I, I feel like it's, it's pretty intuitive for, for most of us. That it's just like, no, yeah, I, I get it. I get it because there was this time before I met Jesus. And, and then there was this time when I met him. And there was a big difference. Um, and so we know what it was like to be without um, because we have him. Um, but I just want to uh, look at a, a couple of scriptures that help to illustrate that spiritual loneliness. We read one of them earlier today, the, the Psalm 38 that we read. Uh, in verse 8, it said, I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Like, if, if you've been there, you know. If you've been there, you know that suffering, that pain. Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2 says, O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And Job, the story of Job, a man who is to be envied by everyone for every possible reason. And, and God says... Satan, even if you took everything away from him, he would still praise my name. And Satan says, want to bet? <laughs> and God says, I know. I don't need to bet you. I know. And Satan takes everything away. And Job wrestles with <laughs> his friends are trying to argue about, well, it happened because of this, because of that. And, and Job is even all over the place in his own mind. But right at the beginning in Job 3.3, 3, 
He says, let the day of my birth be erased and, the night, and even the night I was conceived. And then later, Job 7, 7, he says, oh God, remember my life is but a breath and I know I will never feel happiness again. In, in 1 Kings, Elijah just had the incredible victory over the prophets of Baal. Like that was, man, what a cool Sunday story learning about that growing up. That, that he's like, he's like, you know, oh yeah, pray, pray to your God. Pray to Baal. See if he'll send fire from heaven to consume this offering. And he's just like, mm, still not happening, still not happening. Oh, wow. Um, and then he's like, yeah, I know, heap more water. Heap more water on, on this offering, on, on this uh, bowl and, and the altar. And then still God sends fire from heaven and just proves to all of these false prophets that, that Yahweh, the God of the, Israel, uh, of the Israelite people, he is true. He is real. Uh, and then right after that, Jezebel catches word, word of it, and she's like, you know, you know she, she's like, I, I am, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she, 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 he hears words that Je- Jezebel is coming after him, and he flees in terror, and he hides, and he, he prays. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Like even, the, like, even in the most powerful situation, he just was at this huge peak, and then, boom, at, at the greatest depths, um, just, and just feeling alone. And if you know the story, you, you, you know. I was even thinking about some, some modern poets who have, uh, who have, ah, oh man, it's so, it's so real. It's probably, it's probably more obvious in, secular, in the secular world, this, this spiritual loneliness. Because... In, 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 the spir- in the spiritual world, in, in, in the scripture, there's always hope. <laughs> we know, we know hope. But in, in the, sexu- in, in the sec- secular world, sorry. <laughs> in the secular world, um, there's a lack of hope. And so I was thinking about some of these modern poets. Uh, you might know this one. But I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. <laughs> that's that. Yep, that's well. That's a different one, but if it's the same point, it's the same point. And here's another one: a, a song that was popularized by Johnny Cash. It says, "I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real." What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. You could have it all, my empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. So I'm talking about deep, pervasive sorrow, this hopelessness and purposelessness that leaves someone absolutely empty, absolutely just lost. I'm sorry, I'm uh, really sniffly. That's allergies, I think. (laughs) I'm especially sorry for the people online who all they can hear is like, (laughs) and all the sniffly noises. (laughs) Um, Spiritual uh, spiritual loneliness has probably always been a threat. Probably always. Um, And I was thinking about the Garden of Eden. How did God solve this problem in the Garden of Eden? 
was Eve God's solution to spiritual loneliness for Adam? And I think about that, and then I say, no. No, God was, uh, Eve was not God's solution to spiritual loneliness for Adam. Because, you know why, if we look at Genesis, we see that, that the, the, the first time that God says something is not good is when man is alone. He says, good, 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 good. He says, wow, look at the moon, look at the stars, look, look at this planet, look at the, 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 um, the plants that are coming up. Look at man, very good. And then the first time he says something is not good, it's, it is not good for man to be alone. But, it, but man was not alone. He was not alone in that garden. You know what? Adam didn't even know he was alone. The only reason why he, he felt like he needed a partner is because God made, that, it made him aware of that. He, he raised up all of the animals. He went through naming them all. And, and he realized, oh, there's not really, like, they all kind of have pairs and groups, but, like, I, I don't. But before that, before that, he was with God in the garden. God's solution to this spiritual loneliness was not Eve. It was himself. It was himself. He, <laughs> he was always there. Adam was not alone, but, and, and God, God said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone because what a waste. What a waste that, that Adam could be looking at all of this garden and all of this beauty and not have someone to share that with. And so he creates Eve, and then Adam gets to say, Eve, look, look, at, look at how good our God is. Look how amazing this creation and everything. Look how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. And stay away from that tree. And look, it's just awesome. You know, like, th- that's God. God made Eve, made this, this community so that there could be rejoicing together about how good God is. So that Adam could have someone to point, uh, to point towards God. He, he could have the opportunity to witness to how incredible, how beautiful, how majestic our God is. You know, God has always been and will always be. God is the only solution for our spiritual loneliness. And I know it, like, it, it looks like I just went backwards in my slides, but I actually went forwards. Um, and I'm, you might be catching a theme that, that this is my one point. <laughs> that God is the only solution for spiritual loneliness. And, and man, we see it in the scripture. We see it in Joshua chapter 1 when, when Joshua is taking over uh, Moses' spot after Moses, is die, and Moses dies, um, taking over for, uh, for him in that leadership. And God says, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous for I am with you wherever you go. I am with you. And we see it with Jesus at the end of Matthew. He gives the great commission. He says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is the solution for spiritual loneliness. And Paul says it so good in Romans chapter 8. This is the, I, I need to memorize this one, but he says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, 
nor life, nor, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. He, he, is, the, he is the solution to, to our spiritual loneliness, and there's nothing that's going to get in the way. There's nothing that could ever possibly conquer God's pursuit of us. There, there's nothing. So if, if, if we actually, if we do pursue him, there's nothing in the way. There's nothing that could stop us. Absolutely nothing. Um, Satan just tries to sneak up and keep us from even pursuing him. <laughs> he, he tries to sneak up and, and just whisper in our ear that it's not even worth it to take that step. Because I don't like him. Probably, it's probably going to be really difficult. It's probably going to be. But, but, when, but when God wants his people to know him, there's nothing that's going to stop that. There is nothing in this world that could possibly stop this. And, and like he said, that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Victory over spiritual loneliness is most displayed in the cross. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and this is a really controversial thing to say to, uh, to a room full of uh, Christians. Um, but uh, the cross is not the gospel. Yikes. Okay, I'm just going to go. Like, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is not the gospel. If, if I'm saying the gospel is good news, what is the ultimate good news? The good news is that God loves you. The good news is that God wants a relationship with you. The good news is that he calls you his child. The, the good news is that he wants to draw you near to him. And if you don't know him today and you've never heard that, like I need to tell you that God so badly, so badly wants you to know the truth of who he is, not the lies that you've heard. No, he wants, to know, he wants you to know the truth of who he is and he wants to draw you near to him. He wants to hold you in his arms like a little child. <laughs> and, and, and that good news is is broadcasted is screamed from the heavens because of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. So, so I, I'm, pardon me if I sounded like a heretic when I said that the cross was not the good news. But, but we know the good news because of the cross, without a doubt, without a doubt. There is not a question in my mind of the good news because of the cross, because God, in in all of His wisdom said, you know what? I want people to know that I love them. I want people to know that there is nothing that's ever going to get in the way of me pursuing them. There's nothing that could ever stop that. I want them to know. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come to earth. And I don't know about you, but if I was in the position of being a royal deity, sovereign God, I would probably show up to the place that I created like, God, and with power and like, you can't possibly think that I'm anything other than the creating God and, and you know, thunder and hurricanes and, and you know, fear me. <laughs> like, that's in my foolishness. That's probably how I, but no, God says, I'm going to show up not in that glorious, I'm going to show up as a baby. I'm going to go to that, that dirty, filthy little earth where there's dirt and there's trouble, and there's messy relationships, and I'm going to come, not as, a, not as a man, as a child, a child of a poor shepherd and a teenage girl, and I am going to allow them to raise me up. 
God decided that he wanted to experience infancy. He decided that he wanted to experience adolescence. He decided he, he, decided he wanted to experience young adulthood and adulthood. He said, you know what? I know that relationships are messy, and I'm going to subject myself to them. He said, I, I know that this is going to be difficult, but I want people to know so badly that I love them that I'm going to go through everything so that they know, so that they know. And he said, I, I, am, gonna, I am going to be parented. <laughs> I, I think that says it enough. Like, like I'm going to be parented. I'm going to allow parents to make mistakes as they raise me <laughs> because, because I love them so much. And yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this life. I'm going to experience adulthood. I am going to teach them. I'm going to show them all of the, of the Hebrew Bible, all of this, the Old Testament, their scriptures. I'm going to show them all of their misconceptions, all of their, their misconstrued ideas about who God is. I'm going to show them all the ways that they have elevated the law as God. I'm going to show them all the ways how they have just missed it. They've just missed it, that they want to pursue God with everything. They, they, they want to give him everything, but they've just missed it. That, they, that they've been pursuing religion instead of been pursuing a relationship with God. Like, I'm, I'm going to show them that. I'm going to reveal to them all of the places where they're just misaligned. And I'm going to speak in power and authority, and I'm, I'm going to show them. And then I know they're not going to like it. I know they're going to hate it. I know they're going to hate me. And I'm going to allow their hate and their wickedness and evil to absolutely consume me. I'm going to allow that overwhelming hatred, which they don't know it, but it's their sin and it's their wickedness. I'm going to allow that to devour me. I'm going to allow the greatest, most uh, excruciating, right? That word comes from out of the cross. Is that right, Renaud? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that they, I'm going to experience the worst that you could ever imagine, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to say that death could not separate me from you. I'm going to say that hell could not separate me from you. That Satan and his devices could not separate me from you. That is what. Our God says to us through the cross, through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, he says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he says it so loudly and so clearly. He gives us the good news that he wants a relationship with us. And he is the only solution for our spiritual loneliness. And now I just have kind of like I don't know, almost like anti-points um, where oh, we, we get it mixed up sometimes. We get it mixed up. We think that there are other things that are going to satisfy this deep sorrow and just wandering spirit, this, this whole, this, this, this lack of purpose. We think there are other things that are going to satisfy us. And, and literally, we spend our lives trying to find those things that are going to satisfy, going to fulfill, going to give us purpose and reason. Um, and I think you know what my, my thoughts are on that. Um, but so I have kind of these anti-points a little bit here. The church is not the solution for spiritual loneliness. 
and again, look, I already said that Jesus' cross was not the good news. So I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just... The church is good. The church is a very good thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful gift. And you know what? There's even like a, a little nugget of truth in here that, that we receive such joy from one another by being a part of the church. Oh man, it is, it is so great. But the reason why it is so good is not because we get to meet together and we get to talk and, and, and be family. Like that's really good. But no, the reason why it's good is, is when each of us have experienced the fulfillment of uh, the... the, the um, when, when God takes away our spiritual loneliness, when we have experienced that, and we get to say, I am fulfilled in Christ. Like, I, I know my Father, and I am fully known by Him. I, I, I have been just overcome. My sin has been taken away, and I'm right there with Him. And then we get to come to church, and we just get to say, like, man, isn't God good? Like, isn't He so good? Like, have you, have you experienced that today? Have you, have you, do you know that He is good? And we get to support one another and just say, amen, He is good. He is good. My God is good. You know what? Let me tell you what happened yesterday and how yesterday he showed me he was good. Oh, did I lose? We're good. Okay, okay. Um, let, let, me, let me show you. Let me show you how he's good. Let, let, let me testify about how he is so good. So we, we kind of become this like support group and like for lack of a better word, almost like echo chamber. I know that's not a popular <laughs> word in our culture, but that, but that God's Glory gets amplified in the church. It gets louder. Because not only do I know without a doubt that God is good and that his, that his glory just fills the earth, but I see that you know it too. And, and I, I just get, exci- I get excited and we get to kind of get rowdy and say, you know what, I want the whole world to know this truth. What's holding us back from showing the whole world how incredible and how beautiful God is? What's keeping us from that? And then God, by his spirit, send us, sends us out to the whole world. <laughs> sends us out to every little nook and cranny of Citrus Heights and way beyond. <laughs> he, he sends us. And, and, and so that's one thing that the, that the church is so good. But it's only good when we know him. It's only good when we know him. Because if we, if we come to church and we feel like church is what it's all about, um, then we have elevated church to, to a deity, to a place of, of godhood. We have elevated church to, to the thing that I worship is church. The thing that I worship is this kind of like rising and falling and, and the, the, the atmosphere in the room and, and, and the, you know, the small group time. And, and I, I, I can worship those things instead. And I mean, that's, that's not God's plan. <laughs> that's idolatry. Like we don't, that's, that's not what we're, what we're supposed to do. And you know what? Like, I, I say that pretty boldly. And so and there, are, there are people in this room who, who, experience, like, who experience that, that, that church is, is what it's all about. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that there are people in here like that. I was like that. I grew up like that. I grew up, I, I don't, I've been in this church since I was in kindergarten, <laughs> you know, like, so I'd be, like, running around, I was a little kid that they're like, oh my gosh, can I just, just sit still, please, like, 
which he just, <laughs> but you know, like, and church was so fun. This is where all of my friends were, because I was homeschooled, um, but this is, like, this is, this is where my family was. This is, this is where I had grandparents who weren't actually my grandparents, but I got to call them my grandparents, you know, and they would just spoil me with, like, a hug, and just, you know, it was just great. Um, so I think it's so good, um, but it wasn't until, like, I was 20 <laughs> that God really got a hold of me and said, you're just missing it. You, you, you've just missed it. But then he showed me like the truth of who he is and that, and that I don't have to go to church to hear about him. <laughs> I, I don't have to go to church to know him. No, I can experience him alone in my room. I can experience the, the power of his spirit every moment, every place, all the time. And so I don't need to, I don't need to wait till Sunday. <laughs> like, what am I doing waiting till Sunday? No, he, he, so we, we don't, I just don't want people to miss out. I don't want people to think that church is a solution. And, but, but it's easy that like, ah, oh, well, there's this program in this, in this church and, and the way, like, this is a path towards truly knowing God is, is following this program, following this program. And, and it, it, it can just, it can just be a trap. It can just be a trap. And I just want to say it that, that if, if us as the church, if we do anything other than point you to God as the solution for that deep chasm inside of you of, of sorrow and loneliness, if we point to anything else, if we point to church or a, or a group or something as the solution for that loneliness, we're lying. We, we, we are, we're com- committing heresy. We're, we're lying about who God is because he is, is, is not just a program. And, and he is in the church. He is, like, we are motivated by him, and we get to uh, uh, manifest. Like, he, move, he speaks to us by his spirit, and then our actions are a manifestation of what he's called us to do. So, like, God is in the church. God is not the church. God is in the church. He motivates the church. He, he breathes life into the church, just like Adam was just dirt and dust until God breathed into his nostrils. But I was thinking about, uh, like, God's call to us is like adoption. He, he wants to adopt us into his family. And I was thinking about it like, if you were invited to be adopted into a family, and you said, yeah, let me check out the siblings. Let me talk to the siblings, and let me know. If the siblings are good, I'll, I'll join the family. I just think, what? No. Like, siblings, you could take or leave siblings, but, but I want to know the father. I want to know him. If I'm going to be a part of the family, I need to know the dad. I need to know the parents. Make sure that I'm okay being under their authority. Making sure that I understand how they run things. Making sure I understand how they discipline. Like, why, why would I spend my time just looking at the siblings? No, I should get to know the father. I should understand the kind of expectations that, that, that he places on his children. I should understand his, his, his love and his justice and his wrath and his anger, which are scary to talk about, but they're so good. Do you know how good it is that God gets angry at things that are evil? <laughs> do, you, do you know how good it is that he is mad at me when, when I do evil, vicious things? Just like a parent disciplines their child. If a parent feels no emotion when their child does something evil, then 
there, there's like something missing inside of that parent. You know, it's, it's something that's, that's normal and natural. So why wouldn't I pay attention to the father and see what the father does and see who he is and, and then figure it out with the siblings later? Because if, if the father is good and holy and true, then, then, then his children will, will exhibit that same thing. You know, the, his, his children, the ones who aren't wayward and running away, the ones who, who know him and are sticking with him, they're, they're going to exhibit the truth. But, but why would I show up to a family and say, you know, I'm just going to hang out with the siblings. I don't really, like, the, the father, it's, it's kind of weird between him and me. Like, he adopted me, but I just kind of hang out at his house pretty much and sleep in one of his rooms. Um, but, but no, like, if you, if you don't love the father, then just stay outside of the family and be friends with the siblings. <laughs> If you love the Father, then that's when you accept that invitation to adoption. Get to know the Father. Get to know the Father. Because the church is not going to satisfy this empty spiritual loneliness inside of you. It's only God. It's only the Father who can do that. Don't look to the siblings to accomplish something that only the Father can do. (laughs) Another anti-point. This has been hard already. Okay, here we go. Oh, the clicker doesn't want to click. I hope that's not a sign. Oh, there we go. Marriage is not the solution for spiritual loneliness. Marriage does not solve your problems. Okay. Single people, you just heard a testimony. <laughs> you just heard a testimony from many married people who know that they are still very imperfect despite having unity, (laughs) despite having, like, you know, been married. (laughs) Uh, Even though they have a mirror that constantly shows them all of their, you know, all their flaws, they still haven't fixed them all, you know. So, um, but marriage is, is beautiful, but it is not the solution for our spiritual loneliness. Only God is. And I, have, I, I say this because, uh, again, I may, I'm just, you know, preaching from how I grew up and my, my wounds and, and where I was misguided. But I knew I was getting married. Like, when I was a kid, I just knew it. I knew it. It, it, was, it was the plan. It's what God had for me. I just, I knew it. I was so smart that I had my whole life figured out already. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. It was a mess. Um, but that, like, that's, what, that's what I knew was, was going to happen. And, and I also kind of thought that it was going to solve some of my problems. I felt like it was going to help me grow as a man and it was going to solve my sin issues and I wasn't going to have sexual sin problems anymore. Um, but like, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise hands because that's how you start fights in marriages. But like, you, lust does not vanish as soon as you get married. Sin does not vanish. There, there are still issues that God wants to work through us, and, and marriage is not the ultimate solution. It is very good. Don't get me wrong. Rachel, I love you so much, and you are a gift from God, without a doubt. But God's solution for spiritual loneliness was not Rachel for me. It was him. It was himself. It was him. And, it's, and there is a temptation in marriage to spend our whole lives, to make the purpose of our lives to make the other person happy. 
And man, if you say that anywhere other than the church, you will get a rowdy applause. Like, yes, that is what life is about. Make the other person happy. Like, I just want you to be happy. Whatever makes you happy. That, that, that's like, that's how people live. It's, it's a really beautiful thing because you can see people finding their purpose in marriage, but it's an incomplete purpose. They haven't really fully been satisfied. They haven't really fully uh, had their spiritual loneliness eradicated. They still are missing something because God is the only solution. Because married or not, our lives, the reason why we exist, the reason why we were made, it, it's about glorifying God and seeking to please Him, to, to, to give Him glory and honor. So whether I'm married or not, the, the mission has not changed. If the, if the goal of my life, if the mission of human life is marriage, uh, that's sad. That's sad because it's not eternal. I mean, Jesus mentions it kind of like, he sort of like mentions it as, as a side note, but, but it's, not, it's, it's not the goal. It's not what it is. And if it is the goal, or if you think it's the goal, then, man, like, wh- what about people who are divorced? What about widows and widowers? If marriage is the purpose of life, are they sinning? What about single people? What about people who are called to singleness for their lives? Are they sinning? No. And and if you read Paul in 1 Corinthians, he would say very boldly, no, even if you are married, the time is so short. Live as if you were not married. And most people read that and are like, (laughs) <laughs> like what what am I supposed to have separate beds and like live in a separate house and separate bank accounts and like we're not married at all no 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 but pursue God like he is my primary objective like he is the purpose of my life like he is the reason why I exist and he has given me a wife to constantly say look how good he is look how amazing he is why don't I live like that That's what Paul calls the church to. And he says, like, honestly, I kind of wish some of you would stay single. Because when you get married, you get so bogged down trying to make the other person happy that you miss out on the mission that God has called you to. I kind of wish that, like, yeah, you would just stay single and then be a crazy missionary, not being afraid to die whatsoever. But when you get married, you think that people need you. You think that you are the solution for other people's spiritual loneliness. It's not true. It's not true. God is the only solution to spiritual loneliness. So, I, I, even though I am married, and I'm going to be married till I die, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which might be sooner than later after this sermon. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but even though that is the case, I'm going to live with such reckless abandon towards God that, that people would be like, well, what does your wife think about that? And I'll say, she's on board. And I'll say, she's doing the same thing. She's doing the same thing. Marriage is not a a promotion from singleness. Um, And uh, sexual intimacy is not the ultimate expression of love or intimacy. It's not. It is an expression, but it's only physical. Intimacy is way more than just physical. 
Intimacy is an emotional, spiritual thing that can only truly be realized when I actually have intimacy with God himself. When I have intimacy with God himself, then I actually experience marital intimacy. When I have uh, intimacy with God, I actually understand what familial intimacy looks like. It's, that's the only way to experience the fullness is to know God himself and to know why he even placed me in this marriage, why he even placed me in this family. Um, but just to some young people, I just want you young people to, to hear this, that, that marriage is not the end of, of it's not the chief end for your existence. The, and I said young people, I mean old people hear me too, but God has such great things in store for you, and it's not marriage, and it's not sex. <laughs> like those are both really great things that he gives to people, but it's not the purpose. He has called us to such great things that Paul even says, man, I, I sort of wish that you guys wouldn't get bogged down with all the worldly troubles of marriage. <laughs> I kind of wish you would just pursue God with everything and not be worried. And I'm going to be honest, this is just testimony time. Like, that's the only reason why I met Rachel. That's the only reason why we even knew each other was because both of us were at a place where it was like, God, it's just you and me. It's just you and me whatever you want, God, whatever you want. And then he led us to each other. And it's like, all right, if, if, if this is what you want, God, if this is like, I'm, I'm feeling some things, and if, if these are from you, then I'm, I'm going where you're leading. But similarly, uh, your kids are not the solution for your spiritual loneliness. I've never been a parent, but I've been a child. And I know... <laughs> that I was a turd of a child. <laughs> Doesn't take long to figure that one out. <laughs> that I know that I was making my parents feel worse about themselves most of the time. But I am not the purpose of my parents' life. I'm not. Am I their legacy? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll see how I do. But... but um, but I'm not their, their chief purpose. I'm not the reason why they exist. God is my parents' purpose. He is the only one who can fulfill their spiritual loneliness. <laughs> On a side note, your animal, <laughs> your pet, is not the solution for your spiritual loneliness. I feel this one because we have a big dog and he's really sweet. And there's some times where I'm just feeling really low. And I'm just like... Hey, Jack. Hi. Give him a hug. And he's like, <laughs> He's like, I don't want to hug you. Um, it's not the solution to, to your spiritual isolation. God is the solution to your spiritual isolation. When did, when did we get so focused on our kids' future that we forgot about our kids' presence? We forgot about right now. That's kind of where I want to get to is when did I get so wrapped up in my future, get so wrapped up in, in the, uh, my planning for marriage? When did I get so wrapped up in my work, in, in, in my health issues? When did I get so wrapped up in, in this stuff that I forgot that God wants a relationship with me right now, that he wants to speak to me right now? 
and I don't have to wait till Sunday. When did I get so lost? When did that happen? He, he, he wants you. God is the only solution for your spiritual isolation. I'm sorry to put a new slide up that says the same thing, like you were expecting something new, but it was the same. But I just, I want to shut down the lies. I just want to shut down the lies that, that our culture shows us or teaches us. Or, I just want to say there's only one solution. That's it. It's God. It's, it's him. It's himself. I want to shut down the lies that there's something else or someone else that will save you. There's nothing. There is this deep pit inside of each of us that if we don't have God, we feel purposeless. We feel hopeless. We think about eternity and we dread. We think about death and we dread. But when you know God, he fills that. He takes away our spiritual loneliness and he's the only one who can. He's it. That is it. You will try to find other things to fill and, and you won't find it. Try to find other things to take away the spiritual loneliness and you, you won't find it. But don't let it be you. Don't let it be you who turns your marriage into an idol, who turns your work into an idol, who turns your kids into an idol, that this is the purpose of my life. This is, what, this, this is why I exist. Don't, be, don't let it be you. And also don't let it be other people. Don't let it be other Christians. When you see another Christian and you see them raising something up as an idol, with grace and truth and, and, the, and God's grace of time, speak to them. Say, hey, I think you're missing out on what God has called you to. I think you're missing out on knowing him fully and having him totally um, take away your spiritual loneliness. But I, I want to invite the... Um, the band to come back up and we're, we're going to sing a song after this is this is the kind of um message that is just cause for repentance i've been thinking about sin and, and repentance and, and repentance is something we do all the time it's not just that one thing i did at that altar that one time no it, it's all the time and i've just been thinking about like dust gathering up on my shoulders and i just have to like shake it off like i have to refocus. I have to look towards him again. I have to see his face again, understand the truth that he has I, to, to forget the lies, to, to extinguish the lies of the enemy and to remember his truth. And I just want to invite us to repent. And you might be living that life that just says, God, I'm doing whatever you want, whatever you want. Today is I'm doing that, and I just want to call you again today, today to say that same thing. And if you haven't said that, that thing in a while, if you haven't said, God, I'm living for you today, if you haven't said that in a while, I'm calling you to say that today. And if you're not a Christian and you've been spending your life trying to find things to fulfill you, trying to find things to take away your spiritual loneliness, I think you know what I would say about that, that God's the only solution, and I want to call you, I want to invite you speak with him, to meet with him, to allow his spirit to fill you, to change you, to transform you, to turn towards him, to see his beauty 
and to see his faith, face. If you're a Christian, I just wanna, I just wanna invite you to, to just think, when, when did I, when did I shift? When did I stop trusting him with everything? When did I stop giving him everything? Uh, if you guys don't mind playing a little bit, I would, I just wanna pray with you for, and then I'll hand this mic back into your uh, stand. Um, but I, I just want to pray with you guys for a moment um, before we sing. Um, Lord God, we just, uh, we just thank you, God, that you are a beautiful Savior, that you are a God full of love, full of grace, Lord, full of justice and anger towards evil, but then full of mercy, God, because I was wicked and I was far away. I was running away, but God, were merciful towards me. You were kind to me. God, I thank you. I thank you that there are so many testimonies in this room about how you have been kind to us, God, of how you have turned us from our sin and our wickedness towards you and towards your glory, God. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak louder than the enemy and, and his lies, God. I feel like sometimes I have to talk faster than the doubts that the enemy puts in my mind. That when, when you tell me something, there's a doubt that follows it, Lord. And I just pray that you would extinguish that, God, by your Holy Spirit. You would change. You would, you would cast out Satan and his attacks, Lord. That you would clothe us with your armor to be protected by your Holy Spirit, by your word, God, by your very presence, God. I pray that um, right now you would allow our hearts to be full of your joy, to be full of your spirit, to have this, this solution in front of us, God, that you are the only one who can fulfill us, who can satisfy our purpose, Lord. I pray that right now you would allow us to face you again, to turn to you again, Lord. God, and for, for those who this might honestly be like the first time, even if they've been in church for a while, Lord, I pray that you would encounter them by your spirit, Lord, that your spirit would fall in this place, Lord, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit would, would just overwhelm, what God would, would show us the truth would, would drown out the lies of the enemy, God. Would you do that by your Holy Spirit, Lord? God, we, we want to glorify you, Lord. We want to be used by you to make your name great, Lord. We want people to, to, to know how true and how good you are, Lord. We want people to know the truth. We want them to know the name of Jesus, God. We don't want them to fall victim to a culture that, that points them in different directions, God. We don't want them to to miss you. God, we don't want them to miss out on what you have for them, Lord. So would you stir up in us, God, passion for your name, for your glory, passion for the mission that you have called us to, God. And I pray that you would stir us up to be sent out, God, to make a difference, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, to speak the words that you give us to speak, God. God, to, to, to trust you, Lord. To trust you not just with our future, not just with our finances, God, but to trust you right in this moment, Lord, to just do the trust fall, to just spread our arms out and to lean back into your grace and just to allow the pressure to not be on us anymore, God. I thank you that the world does not spin by our actions or by our work, but God, it is you, the sovereign creator, God, who ordains and structures everything, Lord. Help us to trust you as the sovereign God, Lord. As we sing, would you speak to our hearts? As we sing, would you allow our hearts to repent, Lord? Would you speak to us, Lord? Would you allow us to be changed today so that we can be changed tomorrow, so that we can be changed the next day, Lord? Every day we get to spend with you.
pray that you would um, just allow our eyes to be open to see
you guys can have a seat real quick. I want to share a couple things going on in the life of our family. Um, we do have it. Awesome. Cool. So this is real fast. Uh, you guys know uh, if you're not brand new, the elders have engaged in a conversation these last few months um, listening to you guys about a number of things related to the identity of our church and how we can make disciples better, how we can reach our city better. And we got a diversity of feedback that's been really, really helpful. But one thing that came really came through, which frustrated me, but it is what it is. A lot of you guys are not getting the church-wide emails when we send them out. The communication card, I think that Melissa made up, uh, she did a great job with it, and it includes on there, how would you like for the church as an institution to communicate with each member of the family? So that's on the back table. Please make sure that you can put on there, hey, if I want texts, you say so. I'd like email, say, you know, say so. Write legibly, please, please, please. And uh, so to make sure you get those. Daddy and me fishing trip. Who loves going fishing? Or is going to pretend to on June 17th? <laughs> All right. So three things I want to tell the fellas real quick, and then I'll be done with this. Fellas, your children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, the kid from down the street who's going to be your adopted grandson for this trip, your children need time with you where you don't have ESPN on a screen and they don't have Mickey Mouse on a screen with you. They need time with you. Secondly, you fellas need time with each other. Third, there are guys who live next door to you, who go to work with you, that desperately need the Savior who you know and worship. And I do not care how much you know until I know how much you care. And I'm not interested in going to church when you invite me. But if you tell me we're going fishing, sign me up. That's what I have to say about the daddy and me fishing trip. Trash cleanup. So Saturday at 8. This is a big one, folks. Who here, when you drive to church on Sunday morning, you come down this stretch of Antelope Road where you get to see all the trash? I mean the promised land. <laughs> Who gets to see it? Who gets to, see, I get to see it like six times a week. Just to depend. Oh, no, no, even with T-ball. I guess I see it every day. Um, so I know you didn't put the trash out there. I know I didn't put the trash out there. But for a few months more until escrow closes, it is still our land. And Melissa did an unbelievable job this week representing both our church and Christ on Facebook as neighbors complained about that trash. So what's cool is if anybody can complain about trash, but it's a totally different ball game when they say, hey, I'll show up and help you. So ARCF, please make a good showing this Saturday. We have a number of our neighbors who said, yeah, we'll come help. We're going to have a bunch of people on the promised land this Saturday morning at 8. If you have any idea how hot it's getting, no, 8 o'clock is not too early. By 9, you'll be sweating. It'll be ridiculous. Hopefully, we'll be done rather quick. It's in a few big piles. We're going to clean up. Now, we haven't said this, but I'm thinking about it. It just needs to be said. This is not a trash cleanup where I want you to bring kids. You need to wear closed-toed shoes, and you need to bring gloves. There, there are needles up there. Okay, guys? This is a grown-up trash day. There are needles up there. It is what it is. We've got people who are suffering from a lot of different addictions and things. There is a trash cleanup a week after here that's not trash. We're going to be doing some hedges. That's a great time to bring your kids, okay, just here on property. But this trash cleanup, it is a grown-up 
18 and over, <laughs> teenagers know you guys can do it, but like, we just need to be very aware of our surroundings as we do the cleanup, okay? All right. And then, was that it? Okay, great. So, one more thing that we're going to hear from Miss Cindy DeBeer, uh, an exciting ministry opportunity. Would you guys welcome Miss Cindy? church. Um, yes, I'm up here again. Um, this week I'm actually not sharing on Bible Day Camp, but still sign up for Bible Day Camp. Um, this week actually um, I wanted to make you aware of a crisis need of our brothers and sisters on the other side of the planet. Um, many of you who watch the news, who followed what's happening in um, the nation of India know that there is a crisis happening for our brothers and sisters in India. And what's happening, their COVID numbers were going down and they thought things were getting better, but then they got some new strains and things just got really, really bad. And if you know anything about India, you know people live in very tight quarters. They live with a lot of poverty anyway. But now with COVID numbers rising, people can't even bury their own loved ones. Um, it's extremely bad. Everything's shut down. The government, unfortunately, is extremely corrupt and is not allowing a lot of help. Um, and so people are suffering. Um, I'm sharing about this because um, I have a dear friend. His name is David Anand, and he's a, a professional soccer player in India. Um, but he has a ministry to children who live on the street. Um, where he uses soccer as a way to minister to kids, to care for the, the poorest of the poor and to provide for them. He has a hundred kids and with, that his ministry regularly supports and cares for that he, has, he and his team have been kind of secretly sneaking out and providing them with food parcels, providing them with um, hygiene items and sanitary things so that they can try to protect themselves from the COVID situation that's happening. Um, word has spread and his ministry is growing exponentially. Everybody in the neighborhood is desperate. This is a crisis situation that they're dealing with. People are dying every single day in his community. And they're not just dying from COVID. They're actually dying of starvation as well. So he said, if somebody's not dying of COVID, they're dying of starvation. And he's witnessing it. He's boots on the ground. Um, and so he reached out to me saying, Please call on the Christians that you know. Please call on them to pray for us. Um, there's a huge situation I saw on the news where um, the Hindus living in India are trashing their idols because they said these idols are doing nothing for us. Our family are still dying. But here are the Christians sneaking out to give food, to give soap, to give masks, to give what people need to try to help save their families. And he said last week alone, three of his best friends died of COVID. I mean, like my age. So it's a really serious, desperate situation. And so I, I asked if I could come and share that with you guys. Um, I'm gonna be doing a collection. For anybody who feels called to support this initiative that his ministry has to come and really just help get the, the poorest of the poor, these families. So like I said, he was supporting regularly 100 families. Now it's up to about 500 that are relying on him and his soccer ministry to keep their families alive. And so if you feel called, um, any giving like this is above and beyond your regular tithe and offering. Please stay you know, true to your tithe and offering for the church. But um, if you feel like you would like to support this ministry, 
um, 100% of what's given will be going to these food parcels and hygiene items. So um, you can give the same way you give, but please just note that it's for India. Anything that has a note that says India, I will be able to send to them to make sure that it helps support these families, these kids who are on the street who are desperate, who are now orphans because their parents have just died. It's a crisis situation, and there are brothers and sisters. They just live on a different part of the planet than us. So I feel like we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of the Lord, to care and show that tangible love to the people who need it so much right now. Thank you. Holy Spirit, make ARCF exactly the people that you would have us to be, including our passions, our thoughts, our words, and our behaviors. Father, receive praise and honor and glory from everything that we do, say, think, and feel. And let us be a part of the expansion of your kingdom. In Jesus' great name we pray. God's people said.